Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Another edition of whatever we want to call it PFTOT, Chris Sims on Button, PFTPM. We're going to be putting this stuff everywhere so you have content, audio content, video content to supplement all the written content at profootballtalk.com. And today has been fast and furious once the green flag is it the green flag when they start a race once the green flag went at 1201 eastern p.m a lot of stuff happened and we're going to recap some of the things we've yet to discuss and chris this is the big one and this isn't a free agency transaction it's an agreement to engage in a trade when the league year begins 4 p.m eastern on wednesday deforest buckner from the 49ers to the Indianapolis Colts for a first-round pick after the 49ers did a five-year, $85 million deal with Eric Armstead. Buckner breaks the bank. It's a real $21 million per year deal for DeForest Buckner. And uh, a stunner. A stunner. This is the stunner I was referring to earlier today. I thought the stunner involved somebody else. But this is the <laughs> stunner. Are you stunned? Um, I can't say that I'm stunned. I can't say, I, I, you know, I wondered throughout this whole process how the 49ers were going to sign all these guys. I mean, you know, how much money can you allot to the defensive line position alone? Hey, I'm all for having depth and talent on the defensive line. But at some point, it's going to compromise other areas of your football team. And I think the 49ers were dangerously on the verge there. So I think the first thing I thought of was, when I saw Eric Armstead sign the five-year, $85 million deal, I believe, like you said, I went, ooh, well, well they're not going to franchise DeForest Buckner, too. I mean, are they really going to have, like, 60-something million dollars tied up in defensive ends or something like that, let alone, you know, two top three draft picks at the position as well? That didn't make sense to me. So I was expecting to hear something. Uh, I had no idea it was going to happen today. And uh, I did not know it was going to be the Colts. It's, it, it's, it's a great move by the Colts and the 49ers. I mean, that's the first thing I'll say. The Colts need a difference maker in their front seven. They got a lot of good. They got nobody that's great. And they got all this money to spend. And I think this is a good start for them right here to uh, spend it wisely and improve their football team. Yeah, and this is something that Colts don't do. Chris Ballard, the GM of the team, resists spending big money early in free agency. And this really isn't an early in free agency deal because it's not a free agency deal. But it is top of the market just behind Aaron Donald for an interior defensive lineman and a first-round pick given up to get DeForest Buckner. That's what makes this a stunner. This is the kind of investment that these Colts have not been making, Chris. No, you're right. I mean, Chris Ballard is usually a total value-type guy. 
but he probably looks at his roster and goes, man, I got a lot of value. I've done a lot of good things here in my start with the Colts. I need to start getting guys who can win us football games when it's 20 to 17 in the fourth quarter and we're beating the Houston Texans. I need a guy that can go corral Deshaun Watson and make the big stop to where we can get off the field and win a football game. So I'm sure he recognized that. And, you know, within that, okay, I, I commend him for the move. I think it's a big-time move. Is it a little rich for me? Yeah, it is. I don't think DeForest Buckner, in my eyes, all right, or my evaluation of, you know, film, and I'm Ron Jaworski. I watch the film, right, as we always have fun, fun with. But just comparatively speaking, okay, you know, the good thing is he has position versatility, which I love for the Colts. But I do still think it's expensive. Do I think he's as good a player as Grady Jarrett, Aaron Donald, Akeem Hicks, who played the same position he does in football? No. For me, I think he's a notch down from those guys. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a new year. He's one of the big free agents uh, at his, or you know, one of the big acquisitions at his position, and he's going to get paid accordingly. So good for him. And look, this is something the 49ers are going to have to deal with. I thought they'd let Eric Armstead walk and keep DeForest Buckner. But when it comes down to it, five years, 85 or 21 million a year for Buckner, the 49ers are in position to best know which of the guys they want to keep. And really, you could argue you don't need either guy. As long as you have D Ford and Nick Bosa on the outside, you could find guys to put in the inside and they're going to face single team. They're going to face reduced attention. It's going to be easier for them to do their jobs because everybody is going to be obsessed primarily with stopping Nick Bosa. Yeah, well, that's right. Bosa's the best player on their football team. And I mean, I think you could already make a case that he's one of the two or three best defensive players in all of football, you know, maybe with Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack and probably a few up Stefan Gilmore. I mean, he's in that convo. Uh, you know, you always need interior D line. You always need some size. We know Buckner, Armstead are giant human beings. I mean, we saw them in person in the divisional playoff games. I mean, I always call them tree trunks because that's what they look like. They're gigantic. You know, I, I think ultimately, uh, you know, obviously the 49ers must have had some inkling that Buckner was going to ask for too much money. And that's why they decided to go with Armstead and move on uh, from Buckner. But the, the value of these guys, though, Mike, like Armstead and Buckner, too, is it does give you the great versatility to go, okay, we're playing a passing team this week. Okay, now we can leave D Ford and Nick Bosa on the outside, and now we got Eric Armstead in the middle to be a disruptor. Oh, no, now this week we're playing, let's say, the Tennessee Titans in a power running team, and you want to get big up front. Okay, well, now maybe we can move DeForest Buckner you know, to defense to end, we can move D, D Ford out to linebacker. Nick Bosa be the other D end. And now we can have two other true D tackles in the middle to get big and stop that type of team. So I think that's really the value in those type of guys. It's that versatility to where they can be a mismatch inside in the pass game and then be a mismatch on the edge in the run game. And that's where their real value is. Yeah, and uh, look, now we see the Colts getting serious about trying to address some of their situations, and they're also talking to Phillip Rivers, uh, which is not going to be cheap. You're looking at $21 million per year for DeForest Buckner. What do you think Rivers is going to command if that's the guy they end up going after, Chris? Well, and no, that's the, that's the other thing I thought of, too. Now, you know, I know we both have heard about the Colts and Phillip Rivers, and that makes sense, right? I mean, we know Frank Wright coached them out with the Chargers. 
Now, the one thing I've been told for weeks from the get-go when I first learned about, you know, interest from both sides is that the Colts were not going to do it or be comfortable doing it unless it was a very affordable deal by Phillip Rivers. And I don't know what kind of number that means. Does that mean $20 million? Does that mean $15 million? I'm not sure. But I can't imagine them spending $25, $28, $30 million on Phillip Rivers. I don't see that happening. If Rivers is, is commanding that type of money, I think they'll go elsewhere to try to find uh, somebody else at the quarterback position. Well, I mean, look at Ryan Tannehill, four years, $118 million. Now, Rivers has made it clear he's going to play a maximum of two more years. But really, what does it take? Is it two years, $58 million? That seems like it would be a little bit much for me. Well, and well, well, I was, Why? Like, well, why? Why do they have to pay him? Who's out there in the market right now that we definitely know? I know Tampa, we, we hear they might be interested in Phillip Rivers. I get that. But my selling point from the Colts would be Phillip. How much freaking money do you need? You're up in the Manning territory. The only thing missing from your career right now is playoff wins, Super Bowl appearance. Take $18 million a year. Go sign another free agent receiver, Indianapolis Colts, and let's go make a run at the Super Bowl. You know, I know I'm dumb, and I'm certainly not as talented as Phillip Rivers and all those guys, but damn, that's where my head would be at if you put me in Phillip Rivers' shoes right now. I think you at least have to do this, and let me explain. Yeah. If you're, a, if you're a lawyer, you need to drive around in a nice car because if people see you driving around in a crappy car, they're not going to give you respect, right? Right, right. Uh, so if you're Philip Rivers, you can't walk through the door at $18 million. You can't. You can't. That Nick Foles that last point. year. Nobody was in the market for Nick Foles other than the Jaguars, but they paid him $22 million a year because they needed to have Nick Foles in a Cadillac, right? Not, not that right. it worked out. The Cadillac went off the cliff week one, and they drove around in a Subaru all year, right? But, but still, um, that's why I think it has to at least be 20. You have to at okay. least get to 20, somewhere between 20 and 25, or it doesn't look like you're properly respecting the guy that you're handing the keys to the car to. I, I think that's very fair. You're right. Mike, my, my, that's, that's a very valid statement. You're right. The, to give a number that makes the locker room respect the guy that's coming in is a very real point. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, my big thing is if, I just don't want Philip Rivers to be asking for $28, $30 million a year. That, to me, that makes no sense. If they can get him at 20, 22, 23. I think that should be perfectly manageable for both sides. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. All right, uh, let's move on to another topic that we have been discussing from time to time. We put Rick Spielman under the hot light in Indianapolis, <laughs> and I said, I want you to look right at that camera, seven-year anniversary of the Percy Harvin trade, and I want you to say we have no intent to trade Stephon Diggs. And he said, Stephon Diggs is a Minnesota Viking. And you said, that means absolutely nothing. And here we are. It meant absolutely nothing on the same day that the Vikings extended Kirk Cousins' contract for two more years, putting him under contract through 2022. Stephon Diggs makes it clear he wants out. First, he says it's time for a new beginning on Twitter, Chris. And then when somebody pushed back and said, oh, this is all fake, he said, no, something's going to happen. So it looks like with Stephon Diggs, something's going to happen. Yeah, it certainly does. Uh, I, I know from a few people that I trust that know the situation that, that it is very real. And, of course, we don't need to hear anything from me. Stefan Diggs is telling you it's real. You know, 
you know, one, there's, there's the Vikings are in a semi-retool, rebuild mode right now. That's one thing we're seeing. They're taking a different poach, approach. They're rebuilding their team in certain areas. Do I think it's a little risky? Yeah, I do, because I think the offense is a little challenged as is anyways, as you and I talked about many times during the year. I mean, it's run, it's bootleg, it's screen to Dalvin Cook. That's, that's basically what they do. So to not have Dalvin Cook in that, I mean, not to have Stefan Diggs in that formula, you know, I, I think is a little scary for Minnesota. They obviously have other plans. I don't know if they can totally use Stefan Diggs' talents uh, to its total capacity would be my biggest thing. I mean, Diggs is special. And, and he's special in this, in this way to me, Mike. He can beat you on the outside and go right by you for an 80-yard touchdown. He can catch a slant and break a few tackles and go for a 60-yard touchdown. He also can do like the nuanced Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type routes over the middle of the field. And the Vikings offense just not that extensive to use him all those ways. So I'm sure they're a little sick of him. I, it sounds like he's a little sick of them too. And now the big thing is just who is it that's in the market for Stephon Diggs? Well, and that's the question, and we'll see. Last week, he was working out in Arizona Cardinals gear, and you have to wonder whether or not that's something that the Cardinals were considering, given that they traded for DeAndre Hopkins, and the trade for DeAndre Hopkins would take the Cardinals out of the Stephon Diggs mix. But look, I, I agree with you. He's a great player, and I think that his talents are wasted, and the cap dollars are wasted when you've got Adam Thielen, who is making – close to market value and here's Stefan Diggs with a 14 million dollar or so contract and I think look I, I think that if it is going to be run the ball run the ball run the ball and then set up play action passes and bootlegs you, you can you can go with a younger receiver yeah you can look to the draft look they found right. Stephon Diggs in round five Adam Thielen was undrafted they're better off taking guys late in the draft. When they try to take a first-rounder, it blows up in their face. So use some draft picks. It's deep this year at the receiver position. They love B.C. Johnson. They've got Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph at tight end. They'll be fine, and they can clear out that cap space. It's not a huge net cap gain. It's $1.9 million in net cap dollars, but they'll avoid a salary this year of nearly $11 million, and that's cash that can be spent elsewhere. So – it feels like that's where it's heading. When right. we asked Rick Spielman point blank, he didn't say what he could have said. Diggs isn't going anywhere. All he said is he's a Minnesota Viking, which means that's the twenty nineteen or the twenty twenty version of we have no intent to trade Percy Harvin. I, I think it's just a matter of time, as do you, that Stephon Diggs goes somewhere else. So where do yeah. you think he's gonna go? Well, I mean, all right, so here's the teams that jump out to me right off the bat. Like Buffalo Bills, I, I would think they got to be calling Minnesota if they know Stephon Diggs is available. They run a New England-type offense there with Brian Dayball as an offensive coordinator. Got a young quarterback, got a ton of money. So that certainly would make sense. They could, they could utilize all his talents the proper way. The Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, come on. We, we, you and I talked to Howie Roseman. He talked about – Priority number one was getting Carson Wentz some help. I mean, this would be your guy. Again, he could do everything for that offense. Uh, there was another team I had that jumped out to me, and I'm blanking out, and I'm choking under the pressure here. And who oh, the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, I would think he'd be John Gruden's type of, you know, cup of tea too. So, you I, know, again, 
Okay. After Antonio Brown last year, though, I mean, a guy who's got a reputation for being a little moody when things don't go his way. Now, he never has been anywhere close to the Antonio Brown category. Right, right. But we have, seen, we have seen, I mean, last year he went AWOL after that Bears game. He didn't show up for yeah. work for two or three days. And they, they didn't make a big deal about it because I think maybe they were thinking about possibly trading him then. And you don't want to flag the guy as a problem as you're trying to strike a deal. But right. I don't know that Gruden's going to want to go back to that well. And I know Mike Mayock's not going to want to. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. You're right. But, you know, I think the other thing you said is let's not put him in the class of Antonio Brown. That, that's for sure. And listen, I, I mean, and I mean this, I got great friends who are all top tier receivers are a pain in the ass. They're all a pain in the ass. If they don't get the ball for two weeks and they're a number one receiver, I think they're going to complain. I mean, that's just the way it goes. So, yeah, you know, they're they're the most diva group in the NFL, but I think your point with the Raiders, you know, is real. I mean, I, I get you there. They might be scarred too afraid to deal with anything like that right now. And, you know, it reminds me of a story I was told about Jerry Rice, and I think we've talked about this before, that they knew in the locker room when Rice was gonna grab a microphone and be a butthole. And they would get him out of the locker room on those days. The PR staff knew it was coming. They get him out of there. And the reporters are like, oh, where's Jerry? Oh, he's gone. Because they wanted to let him go calm down before he said something that was going to resonate and create headlines. So the headline is, Stephon Dix is going somewhere. We will find out where that somewhere is. And I'm sure the Vikings aren't happy about this because so much for trying to be coy. Right, Chris? Right. You got Diggs coming out and saying it's going to happen. It's like, come on, man, give give us a chance to try to grift somebody here and get the best possible deal. And my guess is Rick Spielman's not real happy about that. Well, yeah, I'm sure he's not. I mean, I, I get it. And to me, the fact that Diggs says it, right, to me would tell me there's more than one team involved. Because I don't think you're Diggs, you say that, if you just think it's one team and risk it on that. I don't know. I'm just trying to be a psychologist here. Either way... Rick Spielman, we are on to you. We got you. I know your poker face from here on out. <laughs> well, and the other thing, and the last point on this before we move on, I really wonder whether it was a coincidence that on the same day they extend Kirk Cousins, that's the day Diggs says it's time for a new beginning. And I've never gotten the sense that he's been all in with Cousins. We've interviewed him, and we've had the opportunity to talk to him before and after the interviews. And without saying things that we shouldn't say because it's off the record when the microphone's not on. Let me just say, I think it may not be a coincidence that on the same day Cousins extends his contract, we get this news from Diggs that it's time for a new beginning. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I get it. There was certainly frustration there from Stefan Diggs a, a number of times uh, over the last two years there in Minnesota. So I'm excited to see where he goes. I honestly, too, Mike, just the last thing to button this up, I just know this. I, I and I, this is total. Just I'm throwing crap on the wall to see if it fixes. It it sticks there. I know the New England Patriots always have really admired Stephon Diggs ever since he came out in the draft. And I do wonder too if they're a team that's maybe in the trade talk for a Stephon Diggs, and if that has anything to do with Brady. We'll see. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there, trying hey. to connect up. And let me tell you, I think Brady is the kind of guy that will command the respect from Stephon Diggs that will get him to not be moody from time to time. He's got the skills, he's got the leadership, he's got the demeanor, and I think Stephon Diggs will more often than not be on the right side of where he needs to be if he's around a guy like a Tom Brady. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected 
the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Want to make Mom's Day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, the Chicago Bears kicking tires on a replacement for Mitchell Trubisky. We talked earlier about talks with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, trade talks. With the Jaguars for Nick Foles, that's something we reported earlier today at ProFootballTalk.com, one of our rare non-copy-paste snarky comment items. Thank you. And the Bengals still in the mix, the Andy Dalton possibility of a trade from Cincinnati to Chicago. Of those guys, Bridgewater, Foles, Dalton, which one do you think the Bears should want? Well, uh, I think the safest bet, I, I, I think the safest bet and the most talented guy out of the group is Andy Dalton. That would be the guy I would look at, Mike. I mean, you know, first off, he's got a ton of experience. Uh, I think he's a better player than, you know, we give him credit for a lot of the time. And that's me included. I have one that's been harsh on him, too. I get it. Uh, but, you know, he's been to playoff games. He's got a good arm to make any throw you want in football. He's an underrated athlete. You know, that would be the guy that I would fancy if I'm the Chicago Bears. Now, Again, back to that conversation there with the Bears, too, though. Like, man, they are void of draft picks right now. And that, to me, is where one thing I keep looking at that favors Teddy Bridgewater. And I also wondered, you know, when I first heard the Nick Foles conversation, especially so quickly right after we were hearing Teddy Bridgewater news, was it more of a smokescreen to maybe scare Teddy Bridgewater into signing. Like, hey, we might move on. Nick Foles is over here. We could trade for him. You know, you sure you don't want to sign with us right now? Maybe trying to put the pressure on Teddy that way. Again, I don't know that, but these are things that I've seen done throughout my years covering the NFL and, of course, when I was in the NFL to know that they go on. Well, absolutely, and, and that's part of the game, right? Uh, it's chess, and you, you can act like you're playing Hungry Hungry Hippos if you're the player or the agent, but the team is always playing chess, and they're always negotiating these deals, and they're doing it for 53 guys on the roster at any given moment, some at a higher level than others, but the Bears have a plan here, and regardless of where they go, Chris, the plan seems to be Mitchell Trubisky not starting in yeah. 2020, or at, at, at the very best for him, having to compete and win the job before he's put under center. Yeah, I, I think that's the they're telling us that for sure. And and I think if you get Andy Dalton, you know, he is gonna be the backup quarterback. You know, I think if you give Teddy Bridgewater twenty one million dollars, 
he is going to be the backup quarterback. And I guess I feel the same way even if Nick Foles goes there as well. I don't think like they're going to just let Trubisky go or I don't think there's going to be a trade market for him. You keep him as a really good backup. But, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, this is a huge year, I think, for this Chicago Bears organization. I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy both know that, you know, job status is on the line. And uh, I'm sure they don't feel warm and cozy about Mitchell Trubisky going forward. And that's why they're trying to find somebody more established and a little more consistent. Um, and uh, it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. And it's all going to be driven by who they get to get this thing rolling. All right. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Um, I, I want to go off script. I want, I want okay. to talk about something that I got word of just while we were doing this. And it's an interesting cool. cash dynamic that is relevant because of what's happening in the economy, in the world, in the stock market. Teams are trying to structure these deals to avoid making big payments now. Signing bonuses push the payments out into the future. And, Chris, you've seen that dynamic where you earn the signing bonus the moment you sign the contract, but the money is paid later, which makes it worth less because you lose the opportunity to invest at all. What the hell would you invest it in now? Anyway, there's nothing that is paying any good. You're better off getting the money later to save the principal. But I'm also told the Raiders are not paying signing bonuses at all. They're not offering signing bonuses at all. I remember the Buccaneers used to do this and still may, but uh, Raiders moving into that new stadium, Mark Davis not able to to write a huge check in the offseason. It looks like if there's guarantees in these deals, it's going to be guaranteed salary, not signing bonuses. So this is something, Chris, that, that we need to be paying attention to because the market was down 2,400 points today the last I checked it. It has been getting destroyed in recent weeks, and that is taking a big chunk out of the holdings of the people who own these teams. Yeah, of course. Let alone there's still going to be you know operating costs and you know maybe not quite the cash flow going in here uh, to, to, to the banks of some of these football teams in the near future to where, yeah, they can't pay you know, $20 million signing bonuses to, to different guys. So, hey, they're going to get their money either way, but I'm not surprised to hear that with this current environment. And I think the NFL teams are trying to save up themselves too, knowing that they're going to have to pay some people that are working within the building or still working at the facility. The coaches are still making money. They're having to pay those checks still. So it's not like they're getting to avoid that. You know, scouts are still working. So there's plenty of bills still to be paid as far as NFL teams are concerned. And yet I think they're scared that, you know, some of the money that usually flows in might not be flowing in here uh, during the off season, I guess that, you know, better than me, would that be the scare? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And you want something else? You want something, even though we're not live, you want something fresh. Let's Drew Rosenhaus it. tells me that Jack Conklin has agreed to a three-year deal with the, do you want to guess who? Do you want to guess I'm who? Gonna say, I'm going to say New York Jets. Cleveland Browns. Wow. Cleveland Browns. So wow. they got Austin Hooper earlier. And now they got Jack Conklin. Go ahead and react while I get this tweeted. Well, Jack Conklin, uh, I, I mean, the prize jewel as far as right tackles are concerned. You know, him or Brian Bulaga. Bulaga for the Green Bay Packers, a phenomenal player too, but has more injury history and is up there at age. Conklin, a phenomenal run blocker, which makes sense because let's not forget, Nick Chubb is arguably one of the best running backs in football. But to have him now with Austin Hooper, who is a good uh, pass-catching tight end, a solid blocker, not special, and now Baker Mayfield's going to have Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside, 
I, I just think that's a phenomenal move by the Cleveland Browns team. You know, gives them some versatility in their offense, gives them some power in that offensive line to where, you know, they're going to be a force to deal with not only in the pass game, but the run game too. Yeah, and look, you can't say they're not going all in. And the analytics, to the extent that they run the day, they pointed directly to Conklin. And the only reason Conklin was available was because last year the Titans decided not to pick up the fifth-year option. He had a strong final season, and now the Browns get involved and the Browns pluck him off the market the same day that they agree to terms with tight end Austin Hooper. They are serious about moving forward with a team that's going to be competitive. And let's not get too crazy here because – We've been down this road before. We know what happens with these teams that go out and make the big splash the first day of free agency. More often than not, it doesn't work. The Giants a few years ago when they did the, help me out here, Snacks Harrison, Janoris Jenkins, Olivier Vernon, all in one day. It got into the playoffs once, but it all fell apart after that. So it's smart to be skeptical because the history of all teams who spend big on the first day of free agency suggests that it's wise and prudent to be skeptical But, hey, this is a Browns team that isn't as bad as people think. Last year, the expectations were high, and they failed to achieve them. So now everybody's thinking they're crap. They're not crap. They're still a good middle-of-the-pack team, and they can go either way. And they're trying to go that way. I agree. I still think they are going to go that way. You know, it's a young team. They're learning how to win, learning how to fight battles. Uh, They had some self-inflicted wounds in certain games last year where they outplayed teams and then lost because – they just messed it up. You know, the Miles Garrett situation. Uh, these are two signings where I don't see a lot of bust factor. You know, Conklin, he's one of the better run-blocking right tackles in football. His pass blocking, okay, for me, when I studied him hard last week, it could improve a little bit better, but nothing I'm concerned with. I mean, I think it's a pretty safe signing. I don't know what they paid him, but I'm guessing they're going to make him one of the higher-paid right tackles in football Maybe right now. Like I got Johnson. I got it here. I can tell awesome. you. I can tell you. Uh the numbers are three year deal, just three years. Forty two million with thirty million fully guaranteed. He'll earn twenty million the first year, and he wanted to keep it short due to the projected increases in the salary cap. He'll be twenty eight when this deal expires. So three year deal back to market. Now they can use the franchise tag, obviously, to keep him around unless there's a clause in the deal preventing that. And I think Rosenhaus would have told me that if that were the case. So right. three years possible franchise tag either way the guy's getting back to the market or he's going to be in position to make big money under the franchise tag year to year yeah that's right at the very worst he's going to walk away with two years and 30 plus million dollars from the cleveland browns at the worst case scenario for jack conklin right now so that's awesome and then hey the austin hooper thing too i have the same thought there now i you know austin hooper is not a superstar tight end he's not one of the top three or four or five probably, but he's that next group down, and he can do everything. I think he's a pretty safe bet, good target. You know, he's not incredibly explosive, but I don't look at any one part of his game and go, oh, wow, he's really weak there. You know, I wish he was a little bit more of a dominant run blocker for his size, but he's still a good run blocker, and I think it fits really well with, you know, what what Kevin Stefanski and the analytics team are trying to build. I mean, Stefanski, he wants to run the ball and run bootlegs and do all that too. And you got to have a tight end and a good right tackle to, to pull off, pull off that type of scheme. 
All right. Uh, one more topic before we wrap this up. Let me get back to my outline here because there's been too much coming through. The final topic for this is the, oh, we talked about this earlier, the DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson and a second round pick along with a swap of fourth round picks. I was told, and you put the idea in my head to track this down, that DeAndre Hopkins is looking for a new contract and the Cardinals and Hopkins agents at CAA will indeed be talking about a new contract. The question is, what's he going to want? Is he going to want to make more than Julio Jones? As much as Julio Jones? Whatever it is, the Cardinals have to be comfortable with the idea of doing it or they wouldn't have done the trade and to do it without the deal in place. This is where we criticized the Texans last year for picking up Laramie Tunsil. To do the trade without the deal, you give the player the leverage because you've given up stuff to get the player. Now, it's not like they gave up a ton to get him, but still, it's better to do the deal on the way through the door. I'm confident, though, based on what I'm hearing, they're going to get something done, and they may already have an idea of what it's going to take, Chris. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, the, to me, that was just when we talked earlier and, and had our first reaction about the trade, you know, that, that was one of the first things that I thought, you know, you know. You know, as we know, we already talked about it here just a little. Wide receivers are a pain in the butt. DeAndre Hopkins is actually about as selfless and as humble of a wide receiver as you're going to get. But even for a guy like him, he's going to sit there and go, wait, the last two years I've kind of outperformed Julio Jones and he's going to make $10 million a year more than I am. You know, I just, I knew that couldn't sit well with him. And you know, that's why I thought maybe that was part of the thinking. And then, yeah, like you said, it came out. And, yeah, I would think the Cardinals are, you know, they got three more years before they got to pay Kyler Murray. They're trying to support him, win some football games. And I would think that they're comfortable paying DeAndre Hopkins $20, $22 million a year at the wide receiver position, or they wouldn't have made this trade happen. Yes, and uh, look, we'll see. And, and and this is all happening against the backdrop of the world being turned upside down. There was another press briefing today by the White House team that is handling all of this, led by the president. And there's discussion of this possibly lasting into July or August. And, you know, what's going to be the final impact on the economy? What money will these teams have available to pay these contracts? These are all very important issues. The biggest issue, though, is let's all stick together and let's get through this and let's do what the government is telling us to do and hope that everything works out. Yeah, that's right. That's all we can do. Let's keep fighting the good fight. And uh, for all those who are sick of, you know, normal, you know, really, really important news, if you want to change your thoughts up or, you know, get your mind off things, come watch us two idiots because all we do is pay attention to football all day. You know, like it's, uh, you know, I know there's better things to do, but we're not the worst thing in the world. Well, well, no, but here's the thing, though. It's important for us to keep doing this. And somebody Definitely. asked me today, asked, somebody asked me today, well, you thought the NFL shouldn't have gone forward. Why are you bothering to cover it? Well, because that's what we do. I'm, I'm allowed to have the opinion that it would have made more sense to wait, that this isn't an ideal time to do it. But if they choose to go ahead and do it, we just, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? do, do? We say, ah, right. nah, forget about it. We're going to we'll just forget about it. We'll let somebody else handle it. This is what we do. This is why we're here. This is why we do it. We love the sport. And we, we, we also, you know, uh, want to see everything that's going on in the world resolve in a positive way. And hopefully it resolves in time for football season. But if it doesn't, the, the number one priority will continue to be limit the spread of this virus and keep people safe. And I think it's possible to balance the two. Yeah, I, I think it is, too. And it seems like, you know, leadership, everything, we're going in the right direction. 
and just you know hopefully we can nip this in the bud before uh it becomes you know a, a situation here in our country that overwhelms us medically and in hospitals and you know all of us i just uh, i don't want them to get us to that you know i i do I, I sit here and think about my loved ones who are 60 plus years old and selfishly i think about myself too so i'm trying to listen to all the experts out there stay away from people to a degree uh, and not put myself in harm's way just for the betterment of society. All right. Well, excellent. And uh, Chris, we'll probably be doing this again tomorrow. We'll continue to update all the news at profootballtalk.com. PFT Live, the radio show, still scheduled to be live tomorrow. Um, and we're going to keep doing it live unless and until there's a national, state, or local quarantine that keeps Art Martinez, the engineer who makes this all happen from the radio standpoint, out of the studio in California. So we'll keep doing that. We'll keep doing this. We'll keep doing what we do. And uh, everybody stay safe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe. Be good. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.